Welcome to the latest edition of Let Me Tell You Something, where myself, Lorca Mullen, and my co-host... Simon Cross. ...discuss an element of the pro wrestling scene. In this instance, it's one of our match of the weeks. Now, obviously, the inspirational point of this series was our year-long project, the Melts 5 Star Project, that we are continuing on as the years progress, as Dave Meltzer, the Wrestling Observer, continues to give matches five stars or higher. But what we wanted to branch out was that we could discuss other matches that maybe we love that Meltzer hadn't given five stars to... But also matches that says something more about the wrestling scene that's not necessarily linked to their quality, perhaps. Or that they are good matches, but maybe something that has a personal connection to one or both of us. This one, I don't know if you would consider it a personal connection, but it's definitely a personal choice, Simon. Do you want to explain to us what match we're covering and why you picked it? Yes, so the match in question obviously is at Lethal Lockdown 2007. It is an electrified steel cage match between LAX and Team 3D. Team 3D so named, of course, because uh, the Dudleys was under the ownership of the WWE at the time as a name. This match does have a little bit of a personal link to me. And it was around the time I was really into TNA and I loved following it when I didn't have internet access. So I was like trying to get a hold of what I could. And one of my friends burned this pay-per-view onto a DVD for me. So I've actually seen all of these matches at least once or twice, mm. all of them on the on this pay per view, and there are some. It's it's an interesting smorgasbord of options. Well, it was a, uh, it was a whole show of cage matches. Some others had extra well, gimmicks the, if as we well. Want, if we want to say the phrase that might be appropriate for this match, it's a hat on a hat. Yes. Now. Wrestling has like a lot of some people's eyes, like this hokeyness to it. They look at it and think, "Oh, it's just that silly thing." And like, what one of the things we try and obviously convey in a lot of our choices is like how we feel like wrestling is an art form, or how it makes us positively feel emotions, and how it hooks us in with a story. I've picked this because when I think hokey wrestling, I think this match. Really, for, for, for different reasons. Now, the fact before the match even starts. The giant plug that they plug into the cage just screams Acme giant plug. It, it just it gives off a cartoony vibe. It feels like something out of a Zucker Abraham Zucker scene in a Naked Gun film. Yes, yes, that's exactly it. You know, or like you'd see it in Airplane. Like, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Well, like have a smoking, people, smoking yeah. ticket. And it's clear very early on that the performers and the commentary team and the lighting crew and everyone has been backed into a corner by some mad fuck nuggets idea. Well, because uh, very early on the commentary are like, it's alternating currents, which is very clearly a way of going, yeah, they're going to touch the cage, but only sometimes they'll get shocked because we can't figure out how they could climb the turnbuckles or run the ropes well, without constantly being electrocuted. But then they give reasons for it that don't work sometimes so obviously a lot of this is being attributed to whether fairly or not vince russo now vince russo wasn't the sole creative head of tna at any point really but he was obviously an influential voice and so when something went shit when something was particularly silly he would get the the chant that matched it that went to it was fire russo it's like the opposite of this is awesome 
Yeah, and whilst I take your point that he was never, I'm sure the that Vince Russo would say, "Bro, I wasn't in charge of the book then, bro, or it wasn't my idea, bro." Yeah, we don't know if it's one way or the other. Is what I'm saying. But what I will say about TNA in general is more often than not, when stars who had made their name elsewhere arrived, be it back office stars or frontline staff, they did seem to get the run of the roost. They did seem to like, you know, it seemed to be their playground. Do you know what I mean? So I don't have the smoking gun, no. but there's a train of thought that leads me to believe this is at Vince Russo's door. I know, like everything yeah. goes towards it, but it's also one of those things where it's a concept that actually has a thematic resonance to this feud. That there is actually a logical reason behind it, and I think a lot of uh, Vince Russo's criticisms are when he does storylines that are illogical. Now, it's a dicey political reason <laughs> for this match to be happening. The thing about Vince Russo is he tries to give ideas to everyone. When was the last time anything creative was added to a tag team title match in, in a promotion in WWE? Anything outside of, like, the Viking Raiders and the Street Profits going golfing together? I mean something that has, like, a resonance or, or a special gimmick attached to the match that has some sort of reason for their feud or for one of the wrestlers. Not just it's October and it's Hell yeah. in a Cell. Like, it, it literally hasn't happened since the TLC match was invented for the Hardys, the Dudleys, and Edge and Christian. Is that the I'm last time? I am, I am struggling. Exactly. I'm struggling to think of one. Ignore me. I was going to suggest the tag tournament they had in Southie, but that's just a simple tag gauntlet match. And that existed back in, like, 1999, tag team turmoil. And I think the only reason they did that that one time was to help Edge and Christian look good because they went through, like, four teams before being knocked out towards the end. So that's the thing about Vince Russo. Everyone always had something. And like I said, like each of the matches in this, not only are they a cage match, but something else is put on top of it. Sometimes it's to a benefit, like the next match after this is the Lethal Lockdown, which is essentially their version of War Games, and were always popular, you know, matches. It was the closest yeah. game to getting War Games. None of them really soared. I was look, I'm just looking at the Meltzer ratings here, and he gave that four stars, whereas he gave this match one star. It was his lowest rated. Oh, no, actually... Like I said, the hat on a hat is that ultimately these ideas can be creative, but they can be stifling for the wrestlers. Because he actually gave another match on this card minus two stars. That was the steel cage blindfold match between yes, James and I... Storm and Chris Harris. Yes. Now, and to lead credence to your point about logical, there was a reason that yeah. was a blindfold match. Yeah. Because uh, America's Most Wanted had lost the flag match to LAX in the previous pay-per-view because Storm accidentally glassed Harris. Yeah. It was an equaliser. It yeah. made sense. However, the blindfold's garbage and it but that was really all, that was like, but wasn't that as much a production issue where like the blindfold kept falling off of them? And, you know, yeah. Vince Russo's not necessarily in charge of the quality of the blindfold material. No, true, true. Yeah, yeah, you for... can lay that down at production store. And there yeah. is a reason for this being an electrified steel cage match because the whole notion of the feud is built on two things. One is that the, the Team 3D desperately want to win the NWA Tag Team Ch Championship to solidify them as an all-time great team because they won in their lifetimes as a tag team. They'd won the ECW, WWE, WWF and WCW Tag Team Championships, all of those belts they carry with them to the ring. I have no idea how they got through that legally. <laughs> I don't know, because they were replica toys, it's like you can't have a go at a fan who's holding a WWE belt yeah. at a TNA event, so maybe that's how they got away with it. And I don't think they've gone to New Japan and won them yet. No, they haven't won the IWGP. I think they might, around this time they were also going for All Japan as well. But that was that whole thing of them trying to 
finish one last thing that the NWA World Tag Team titles because at this point it was still not the TNA Championships they were still using the NWA and I think it does give the NWA World title was the £10 of gold that tag team belt is actually the same tag team belts design at least that the Steiner brothers were wearing in their WCW match with Sting and Lex Luger and it still had the NWA logo on there it's like these are the belts that like Arn Anderson and Tully Blanchard feuded with with the Midnight Express over so it worked within that lineage yeah and also it gives them 20. And, and obviously, was... like, it's a milestone number. Yeah. With well, their 20th tag Ray. Brother Ray, Bully Ray, Bubba Ray Dudley's misunderstanding of how many times someone's lost a belt, equating to how many times they've won the belt, is one of the most infuriating <laughs> moments. Because he was like, he did that same mistake like 10 years apart. And he got corrected yeah. on it the first time. <laughs> but we won't talk about that. The notion of the electrified cage is them talking about the Mexican border with someone with a sign saying something along the lines of "Are you used to this, LAX?" or something. Ah, oh, yes, it's that it's that smiley, like skinny woman who basically yeah. says, does this remind you of home or prison? Yeah, they're the bad guys in this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. In, in a weird way, they're almost British. like like a Latino equivalent of the Nation of Domination, that they're politically charged, yeah. and, and there's a, there's a real hard solid kernel of truth to what they're saying but it's playing up to sort of the jingoism of in a small little side could you imagine this being advertised on 2020 television and the shit storm it would invoke yeah on twitter so like there is actually a thematic reason for this as well so in a way you've got to applaud the creativity the problem is like with the blindfold match not only you putting a hat on a hat but you're handicapping them in an environment that can already be quite handicapping, especially for tag team matches. And I was thinking about it, like a steel cage, you can't go outside, basically. And it's a tag team match. Tag team matches, I think, very often struggle in the cage. I can't think of that many memorable tag team cage matches. Actually, one of them, maybe the best one, did happen in TNA between Christopher Daniels and Elix Skipper against America's Most Wanted, which is most well-known for Elix Skipper's tightrope walk from one corner of the Six Sides of Steel to the other one to do a hurricane run. I would cite, I can't tell you the pay-per-view, I can tell you the finish, and it is a Hardys versus Dudley's That'll be the 2001 Survivor Series match where they... You know which one I'm on about with the finish. Yeah, yeah, where Jeff Hardy, like, tries... Because that's the problem. It always has that problem with the climbing out rule and, like... One guy climbs out, but then that puts their team at a disadvantage because they're on their the other guys on their own against two. The problem with that is the steel cage match can be limiting in that it doesn't allow you to do the outside of the ring, you know, all that crazy stuff. But also, because of the electrified cage and the need for them to use it for certain spots, they can't even do the traditional steel cage spots of raking their face against the cage. When yeah. they're being whipped, very often they're having to do corner to corner whips. So when they're doing rope to rope whips, it can be like well, he just touched the cage then. How does that not affect it, you know? And now, I, I've been, called, so I've been point... called nitpicky by you and various people throughout my life yeah. in the in the past. And it's a failing of mine. Yeah. Uh, it can also be a positive. It's, it's how it's applied. I accept. What I will say is having that attribute about my person drove me fucking insane in this match because thing... it bothers me so much. I think there's a difference between looking just for quote-unquote plot holes or continuity errors or, or like that wouldn't happen in movies where you kind of just go but it's a movie why does that happen because it's a movie but then also movies do have to sort of establish especially with things like science fiction or like you know christopher nolan films it there's like an internal logic there's rules, rules within it that are and, when still they, rules. and when they break their own rules 
rules or they break conventions within the genre for any for no logical reason that's where it gets frustrating you know the idea that rubber gloves allows you to not get electrocuted he straddles the cage well the what cage, is his underwear fair, made out of what's cage, his underwear made out of Lorcan? the cage out outline is steel and that's not part of the electrocuted elements like if you touch the... And the door! The door! The door Pets is all steel. Folds it. No, the door is all steel, so there's no electrical current going through that. It's not the electrified fence. It's the fence that's electrified, oh. not the outer structure. But the problem is they're having to explain all these things all the time, and the crowd is lost because there's too much on it. And also, it is an ugly lit match where you can't see half of the things. Yes. It's this weird sort of blue light effect. Now what yeah, they should and oh my god when when they do the shock sound effects and oh, yeah well that's oh, when it becomes cheesy just... that's when it becomes really silly and cheesy but I don't that's when it becomes cheesy. the lot see what you got to do is you've got to embrace the silliness and make it more of a spectacle you've got to go down the FMW electrified barbed wire route you've got to have sparks flying you've got to go all out on the silliness but they're trying to they're trying to use too much logic the match goes on longer than it should have done also oh, because. Yes. I was also thinking about this, like, not only are that you confined now, you can't, like, the cage confines you and it, that you can't touch that. So you've got to be really careful inside the ring. And I also think that the six-sided ring, can, I've got to think surface area-wise, I, I don't think there's as much uh, space to work with person, than, a, than a 20 by 20 ring. Most people, most wrestlers I have heard who have been in both hate the six-sided ring. Yeah. What did annoy me was when they tried to climb the ropes, they would go outside and climb, and they'd have to do it very carefully and slowly so. For the hope of so it just it affects you in ways that like take you out of that moment and they have to think about things and it's putting too many too many cooks spoil the broth essentially there are ways to climb the ropes from the inside that you didn't have to bother with like rick steiner used to always do this really cool thing where he'd climb a top rope backwards just like hop yourself up to the to the to the top rope <laughs> yes, we saw it, that and and do it that way but yeah. instead they kept going outside and and you know the hernandez thing that him climbing all the way to the top then leads to a spectacular spots where he tries to do a splash off the top on through the table, and that gets the crowd going, and he misses that, and that's really the beginning of the end for them. Like, James Storm and, and, and Chris Harris would go on to have a fantastic follow-up match. I think they had, like, a Last Man Standing match or something like that after yeah. this went that did fantastic. And similarly, LAX and the Dud and Team 3D can have good matches. They, I'm sure they, the two matches they'd had before this were good. They're good workers. What's also noticeable is how much smaller Homicide is to everyone else in this match. Yeah. Like, he's visibly smaller than the Dudleys, but because of his aggression, he's kind of got that, like, pit bull element to him that yeah. makes it work. But that that was the great dynamic of the LAX team. It was like that bigger guy, smaller guy, you know, colossal connection, power and glory, heart foundation. And loudmouth. Because Conan is great. And Conan I mean, is like... very good. At, but then when he gets involved in the thing, and like I said, you can't bloody see half of it because of how darkly lit it is. But we do get to hear Brother Ray very, very loudly say, give me the fucking table to Hector Guerrero. Yeah. And it's like, it's so dimly lit. And the camera cuts aren't there. Like like the guy who's with Conan knocks out the ref, but you don't see it. So Mike Tanay and, and Don West driving to explain everything. It's a mess. That had a good idea conceptually, but then when you came to execution, like to give an another example, like the kennel from hell match, sounds awesome in theory, but then the dogs actually just want to piss and hump each other. 
Do you know what? I think the Kennel from Hell match is sillier from a conceptual standpoint because yeah. the mo- any moment you add animals to anything, you lose so much control. It's just not worth it sometimes. This match, like you write it down on paper, electrified cage match. Sounds sick. It would probably be you, like, guys, I've got to watch this, an electrified cage. It's like when I at, read the description look at how of they... matches on, on like an IWA or FMW tape and it's like double hell, yeah. glass death match, fire island like you know, and like swimming pool, electrolytes, swimming pool, death match. Blah, they blah, should yeah. instead of it being lights and cheesy sound effects that you know aren't connected to the cage. They should have set sparks off. Yeah. So even if it's stupid, at least it's a visual. It's thing. less of a visual disconnect. Yes, or or it embraces the campiness of it. Then, whereas but, it's just kind of insulting to intelligence. Yeah, conceptually, you write it down, looks great. They work it into the, the story. Thing. Restricts the uh, restricts the area you can work in. You've already got four people in the ring. You're lighting it in a way that it's really hard to see. Like I I don't know why it was that Led's Devon being bloodied and you can't really see it that well anyway throughout the whole thing. I actually don't know. I don't have the thing written down. I, I think can't, the, I can tell you. the kind of sums it all up. Not just a fire Russo chance, but the final finish gets screwed up. And it's a really fun idea for a finish, which was the homicide charges at uh, Devon. I think. Devon does that thing where you flip, like you push him above you, and he goes flying into the cage, lands in the cage, electrified. Then he falls back straight into a 3D. But they yeah, didn't, and they like, didn't catch, catch him. They didn't catch him right. Maybe yeah. he fell at the wrong moment, and then they just had to. So he just. And, and you know what? A small defense of this match, it did have to follow the blindfold cage match, and the fans were already pissed off. Another defense of this match, they all tried. It was everything that like sounded good on paper, but then in execution. There is nothing in this match that the wrestlers did wrong. Well, they literally botched the finish, so they did do that wrong. Apart from that, <laughs> and they also what did I, what things I mean like, is like no I don't one... think I don't think they worked it as well as they could have. I think they also took too much time. I don't know what you do with it. And like I said, the lighting that, was that, really that's my point. the lighting restricted as well. You know? Apart from like the botch finish, which could be a slip rather than like. You know what I mean? It's not like a really silly botch. I think it'll be very interesting to watch this against a match in uh, an Atsushi Onita FMW match with barbed wire, electrified barbed wires, because they're still they're also working within like the whole thing at the start is them teasing going into the barbed wire and then they finally do. You know, I mean, he even had a couple of those matches in New Japan with Kijimuto and uh, Masachono. You know, yeah. so so that might be a fun one to watch. Um, so but with those, you sort of at home, you know what I mean? They know that, they do that, that's their thing. But also, that still, there's moments where you could have slid out the ring or something like that, whereas with this one, it just, you know, it didn't work. It didn't work. I think it's one of those things that they, they have theoretical ideas, but you can't see the flaws until they're actually right there in front of you. Yeah, and I've not picked this to be, like, overtly negative. I don't enjoy, like, well, being it, negative. It, it works to study fail. The film Crit Hulk is a film journalist i follow and he's also like a, a an academic and but his whole gimmick is that he does it all in the voice of the incredible hulk when me looks at this through a mise-en-scene feminist perspective and it's all that sort of stuff um, why is he jar jar binks well all right fucking hell <laughs> um misa like that film no that's mise-en-scene that's not misa that's mise-en-scene and you think i'm uh... Uh, so it's ultimately your lack of sophistication, your Russo-esque idea. Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> wow, this is as close as we've come to a breakup. Um, anyway, Fancy. he made this point, like, a lot of his stuff was about writing, and he also, like, he previously had a job where he... A script filter, essentially, for a studio, 
where he'd read, you know, unsolicited scripts and see if there was anything in any of them. And he would say, one of the things that always drives me crazy is things where people go, wouldn't it be cool if... And then you realise, uh, what what's cool and what makes a good story or what makes a good film are, are separate things. Different things. Yeah. So wouldn't it be cool if they wrestled in an electrified steel cage just like how there's steel fences on the Mexican-American border? There's a reason this hasn't been done before, even though it sounds cool. You know? Yeah. Yeah, it's one of those things, in a snapshot, if you close your eyes and your imagination drew that picture... Mm. Great. Yeah. When you add real life and the constraints that that has. Okay, I'll give you another example. Did you have any crazy what my wrestling finisher move would have been that in your mind was going to be perfect and you invented a move? I had one. This is when I was a kid. <laughs> my idea was that I yes. do a gorilla press on an opponent, but I would right. hold them like their back is behind, like uh, like I've lifted them up from their back. Instead of right. from the front. I'm with you. I've done this from the top rope. I throw them up in the air. And then as they're falling down, I leap off the top rope and I go down with a splash. Essentially, it's like a one-man version of an ultimate powerplex, yeah? Right, I'm with you. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't taken into account how to balance on a top rope and hold a, and lift someone up in a gorilla press position. And everything else on top of that, you know? Yeah. It sounds the greatest example I, I had of that is <laughs> when you had Creator Finisher on the 2K games. Oh, God, the stuff I put in, like, in my younger days, like, Jesus, the, the finishes I created are just like, logistical nightmares. Well, we'd be interested to see what maybe some of your worst examples of creative ideas in your head that maybe you realise in hindsight would not have worked in the in the physical world. They can do so by getting in touch with the show at lmtyspod at gmail.com. Uh, lmtyspod is also our Twitter handle. We've got Facebook page and all those sort of things. You can get in touch with me at Lorcan Mullen. That's L-O-R-C-A-N-M-U-L-L-A for Alamo, Texas, near the border. And N for nachos, where they would stop allowing them being exported across the border if they keep up with their rhetoric. <laughs> That's my Twitter handle, Instagram, Facebook, letterbox, and you're putting at gmail.com at the end of it. That's my email address. Simon, how can people get in touch with you? Uh, people can get in touch with me on Twitter, where I'm so known as Simon Cross Free. Free for the number of colours on the Mexican flag before you count the eagle. Nice. Well... We're going back to my choices, and whilst last time I chose a match between in IWA Mid-South, the promotion is changing, the people are changing, as is the rules. We can't repeat those every five episodes, uh, both in our personal choices and in the show's running order as well. So that means that we'll have to wait at least five episodes for me to choose a TNA or Impact match going forward, and Simon will have to wait ten episodes, five for his choices, before he can also do that. So maybe... Don't, don't line up James Storm, Chris Harris, maybe, Simon. But, but yeah, what we, no. <laughs> whilst I have changed the promotion and I've changed the wrestlers, I have not changed the venue. We are back in the ECW arena for this one, but at this point, it is not ECW anymore. They are recently departed. One of the promotions that's replaced them is CZW, or CZW, as Simon insists upon it. But it's not an ultraviolet match, and it's not even involving Americans. It's two Brits. They were the toast of the early 2000s wrestling scene and they had the match in 2002 that CZW fans voted their match of the year. It's the quarterfinal of the best of the best tournament. It's Jody Fleisch taking on Johnny Storm. But there's nothing left to say now until that next episode comes. My name's Lorcan Mullen. And my name's Simon Cross. Thank you for letting us tell you something. Have a great week. Until the next week.